Good afternoon. This is Rights, Rorts and Rants on Radio Blue Mountains, 89.1 FM. I'm Deborah Smith. And in the studio with me today is Nick Franklin. Hi, Deb. Good afternoon. Uh, so I will start with acknowledging the traditional owners of the land. I wish to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land from which and over which we broadcast, the Darug and Gundungurra people. We acknowledge their elders past, present and future. So what have we got on the program today? You recently spoke to a former Blue Mountains Unions and Community member, Ken Zajcik, um, who used to be a delegate at the Fairmont Resort and a union activist. And you asked Ken a little bit about his background be before he came to live in the mountains, but what did Ken really want to talk to us about, do you think? Well. Sadly, Ken, Ken is seriously ill. Mm -hmm. But what, what came through when you talked to him and later when I talked to him was that, that he, he, despite his illness, w wanted to talk about particularly his story as a union activist at the Fairmont Hotel. Now, people who've lived in the mountains will remember that back in the early 2000s, there was a, a, a famous dispute there and, and Ken was the, the key activist, the delegate. And I, th I think his story is important because we know in hospitality up here that it's really hard, yeah. really hard for... And you, it takes a bit of courage to put your head above the parapet and uh, start organising, and that's what Ken did. And he, he had a big win there before for later on actually losing his job. But it, it's, a, it's a longer story than that, and I, th I think it's a fascinating one. Yes. And, and particularly, in a way, because he was born in Texas not renowned for its union activity outside of certain key industries like, like oil. Uh, and then he came to Australia uh, and he worked in various jobs before hospitality. And the interesting thing was they were all union jobs then. Yeah, back in the days when if it was a unionised job, you had to join the union. That's right, yep. yeah. Yeah, which isn't the case now. OK, so we're going to play that interview uh, that you did with Ken. Hi, Ken. Hi. Hello, Nick. How's it going? Good, mate. Good. A lovely day in the Blue Mountains. How, how yeah, are you going? beautiful day here on the Central Coast as well. Right, OK. I thought we'd do it chronologically. It's really the story of a union activist in the Blue Mountains. Well, yeah, I, I suppose you could, you could term it that way, yes. But I, was, I thought, in a way, and it's rare, as you'd know, for people who work in hospitality to actually give interviews, and there's good reasons for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm well aware of that, because uh, after I was sacked from uh, Fairmont Resort, I did attempt to get other work in the hospitality industry, and uh, I suppose because of my reputation, no one would hire me. Yes, it's very tough. I mean, we've found doing the radio program that... As you would know, there are horror stories in hospitality up here. There are good employers, but, oh, yeah. but yeah. there are some really bad ones. And not surprisingly, people don't want to talk for the reasons you've just described. They know if they do put their head above the parapet, they'll most likely be sacked. Yes, that's exactly right. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's go back, though, Ken. Before we get into what happened in the Fairmont, which was a couple of big, yeah. dis big disputes there where you had a both a wonderful win and, in the end, um, paid for it with your job. But let's go right back to the beginning. You grew up in Texas, didn't you? That's correct. Yes, I did. What's the union scene in Texas? Um, well, except for 
specific industries, say like the uh, oil industry, the petroleum industry, the uh, uh, oil refineries. Uh, Texas is very hostile towards uh, unions, except, as I said, in specific industries where unions do have a little bit of power, like the oil industry, because Texas is... Uh, um, is and always has been really a major uh, oil uh, producer. As a matter of fact, my uh, uh, one of my uncles was uh, a union delegate in in an oil refinery in in Houston. Right, but as far as you went yourself, working in Texas, the, the jobs weren't unionized. No, 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 no. I mean, for most of the time. Uh, I, I was going to school. I went to, to high school. I worked summers in a construction company, local construction company. I went to university. Uh, same thing. Worked in the local construction company. No, no unionism. Nothing, nothing like that at all. And then I graduated from the University of Texas in May of '73, and I was on a plane to Australia in June of '73. So I never actually held a, a permanent position in working in, while I was in Texas. Okay, so was it a surprise to you then when you, you came to Australia that the jobs you got were mostly unionized? Oh, yeah, 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 for sure, because uh, unionism and, and that type of collective uh, people working together, that was uh, really quite foreign to me and, and the culture that I'd grown up in. So what were those early jobs you got when you, you came to Australia as a young man? Yeah, well, I uh, I graduated from the uh, University of uh, Texas uh, May of 1973 with a, a degree in photojournalism and advertising. I got a job uh, at the University of Sydney in the photography department in November of 1973, I was required to join the uh, Health and Research Employees Association, which is which was the union that covered uh, university employees at that time. I worked in in two different stints. I worked at uh, uh, Sydney Uni until 1986 when I was retrenched. I think you, all the jobs you had were unionized, weren't they? After I left the university, I worked in the funeral industry for five years. I was a member of the Funeral and Allied Industries Union. After that, I got a job on a building site in, in the CBD, Sydney CBD. I was with the BWIU for a year. And then we moved up to uh, Katoomba in the Blue Mountains, and uh, I got a job at Fairmont Resort in the housekeeping department in March of 1991. But uh, at that time, I wasn't in a union, and there was very little union representation there at the hotel until I became a union delegate in uh, August of 2000. So the first nine years that I worked at that Fairmont Resort. Just tell us about that, Ken. How, how come then the union did get started then at the Fairmont? Okay, so you want to go into this 
uh, my becoming delegate uh, scenario? Yeah, well, I mean, it's, as you all know, up here, quite a lot of places, there's no union at all. So what, what sparked the union to get going at the Fairmont? Well, as I understand it, there were a few staff who were members, but they didn't obviously advertise it a great deal. So what, what caused me to become a union delegate and become active in the union movement was uh, in, in the year 2000, uh, the housekeeping department got a, uh, a new head, a new head of department, as I'd stated earlier. He was an arrogant South African, and from the very start, he treated the housekeeping staff, uh, especially the females, and, and obviously housekeeping is predominantly a female uh, occupation. He, he treated my girls... And I considered them my girls after nine years working with them. He treated them like, like the coloreds and the blacks are treated in, in, in South Africa. And what that, what that, sort of, what sort of things would be an example of well, that? Well, he, he would talk down to them and, uh, just, you know, just typically arrogant attitude towards them like they were less good, less, less, less of a human than he was and he was so great and they were just, you know, Poor little housekeeping girls who clean rooms and, and all, all, all of that sort of attitude. So, uh, that really grated on me after a while, the way he treated, especially the girls, but all, all of the housekeeping staff, just because of his arrogance. He thought he was such a wonderful, wonderful person. Well, the straw that broke the camel back was we had a, a window cleaner, uh, who was a very good friend of mine. Uh, named, uh, Dennis Domain. Uh, he's, uh, ex, uh, British Special Air Service, SAS. So he was a member of the SAS when he, when he was in Britain before he came over here. Now, Dennis. Yep. And, and one day in, in late July, uh, Dennis came to work, uh, smelling of alcohol. I don't know that he was necessarily still drunk at that time or inebriated, but he was, he smelled of alcohol, so he was sacked on the spot. And that was really what the straw that broke the camel's back. I just had enough of, of this arrogant South African. So what, what, so I, what, what action could you take? Well, there was nothing that I could do to defend, uh, uh, Dennis at the time because I was, I was just a houseman. I was just a houseman. I was nothing over the, uh, in, in the housekeeping department, just as another grunt in the trenches. So there was nothing I could do. So what I did was I contacted the uh, regional organizer for the LHMU up in the mountains. Uh, her name was uh, Merle Williams. Uh, and uh, so I contacted her, and we held a, a meeting of all of the housekeeping staff at the Lura Golf Club on the seventeenth uh, of August in two thousand, I put my hand up to become the delegate at Fairmont Resort, and we signed up as many of the housekeeping staff as we could who wanted to join uh, the union is on that day. So sometimes it's hard to get people to join. Do how many did you get to sign up? To be quite honest, I don't really remember. Probably 15 or so of the girls who, who attended the meeting joined up. 
but uh, in, in, in the next month, after it got out that I'd become union delegate, between myself and two other uh, activists who put their hands up and joined and, and, and helped me to re- recruit, we tripled union membership from 25 to 75. Wow. Well and that was in, in one month. So 75 was probably pretty close to the to the maximum number of of, sta- of union members that I had at any one time because you know that uh, the hospitality industry is a high turnover industry. Yeah. People come and go all the time. It, sh- it shows, though, Ken, that a lot of people were really pissed off. Oh yes, yes. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. There was there was a there was there was an underground need for uh, union representation at Fairmont Resort. Uh, not necessarily that it was a bad place to work at that time, but there are obviously always uh, issues that come to the fore that need to be resolved. And most of these issues can't really be resolved without union getting involved and, and take... So anyway... Uh, Just to interrupt you, that was when Peppers owned it, was it? That's correct. Peppers yeah. owned Fairmont Resort at the time, yes. yes. Dr Nick Coatsworth, your Deputy Chief Medical Officer. As we start to get back out there, it's my job to remind all Australians to be COVID safe. One, wash your hands as often as possible. Two, keep your distance where you can. Three, join millions of Aussies helping our health workers by having the COVID Safe app. And if you're feeling sick with cold or flu-like symptoms, stay at home and speak to your doctor about getting tested. Together, we can reduce the risk of a second wave. Let's all stay COVID free and do the three. Authorised by the Chief Medical Officer Canberra. There's a reason Bendigo Community Bank is called Bendigo Community Bank. Because over and above offering us award-winning financial products and advice, they are committed to returning profits to us Upper Mountains communitarians. We are lucky because of that. We are lucky they offer us trust, integrity and support. And we're lucky they have supported more than 140 community groups to the tune of more than $600,000. What better reason is there for us to support Bendigo Community Bank right back? That's bendigobank.com.au, 117 Katoomba Street, Katoomba, or phone 47821144. You've been listening to an interview done by Nick Franklin with Ken Zajek about an industrial dispute at the Fairmont Resort a few years ago. I'm Deborah Smith. You're listening to Rights, Rorts and Rants on Radio Blue Mountains, 89.1 FM. So now we'll just go back to that interview with Ken. Things came to a head, though. Tell us about that, the big dispute. Yeah, yes. Yeah. So, uh, as I said, I became delegate on, on the 17th of August, 2000. Uh, and uh, I, I've received really uh, no formal training from the LHMU in the first month that uh, I was delegate. I learned learned what it meant to be a delegate just by getting advice from Merle and calling uh, our uh, member support center when I needed advice. Yeah. So from the end of the year, uh, the the, house, the the South African head of head of the housekeeping department was going to be leaving at the end of the year, so he wasn't going to be there in two thousand and one. Right. So. Uh, Basically, I, I, since he was leaving, and he was one of the causes of most of the trouble, uh, 
I saw no danger on the horizon. Myself and my family went on our uh, annual camping holiday, December, January, uh, down the south coast. Because I didn't see any dangers on the on the horizon, I didn't tell Merle where I was going or how she could contact me, which, uh, looking back on it now, was a, a grievous oversight. I should have at least let her know where I was and how she could get in touch with me. Anyway, in, in early January, I got a call from Merle down at my camping ground. She had been frantically canvassing all of the neighbors, all of my neighbors, until she found out where, where I was camping. So she got in touch with the camping ground. I gave her a call back. She told me that uh, all of the housekeeping staff had received a letter from Pepper Fairmont Resort uh, saying that their positions were going to be subcontracted out and that they could apply for for their positions again with the incoming subcontractor. The big big change with that would be then that what they, did they lose permanency because of that? Well, just before I get into that, sure. Um, as I said, they were they were allowed to uh, apply for their positions with the new subcontractor. I wasn't going to be offered a position at all. So I I, I was completely because I was a union delegate. I wasn't going to be reemployed. You got targeted. Uh, the, the, the big the big problem, the big sticking point, was that. Uh, and obviously, in the housekeeping department, we had some full-time, some permanent part-time, and some casual. The big problem, the big sticking point was that uh, Peppers could not guarantee that the people who were employed by the subcontractor would be employed on the same terms and conditions of employment uh, as they were with Peppers. Yeah. So you could guarantee their hourly rate, couldn't guarantee the hours that they were going to be allowed or, or, or contracted to work. All the terms and conditions of a normal employment relationship uh, could not be guaranteed with this subcontractor, which obviously meant they were going to be under uh, uh, paid under, under the award rate. Yeah. Okay, so uh, so once I got that, I had spoken to Merle. I immediately got 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 on the train back to Katoomba. What yeah, we we had a we had a union meeting uh, with all of the housekeeping staff who who wanted to attend and were were involved. Merle was there. I was there. Uh, a couple of other uh, union organizers had come down to have this meeting as well. So that we can discuss the situation and and plot our our course of action. What what tactics did you come up with? Merle and, and the other organizers established phone trees so that the girls who wanted to got a list of names of people uh, that they could contact to d- discuss the the situation with them. I spent uh, all of Tuesday and Wednesday. Uh, making phone calls to to garner support among uh, my members for the uh, the rally that was scheduled to take place outside of Fairmont Resort uh, on Thursday morning. How many turned up for the rally after the ring around? Yeah, at the final meeting that we had on Thursday morning, 
with the LHMU reps and, and Pepper Fairmont ma- management, we couldn't get an assurance from Peppers that the terms and conditions of the housekeeping staff would remain the same as under employment directly with Peppers with this new subcontractor coming in. And that was the main, uh, the main issue that we had was maintaining terms and conditions. Okay. So, uh, housekeeping staff and, and other union members who wish to support us, uh, down tools at 10 o'clock that morning. And we met in front of the Lura Golf Club, a total of about 50, 50, 55 Fairmont staff. So Ken, that was important. You, you were getting support from fellow workers. Yeah, yeah, we were getting support not only from the housekeeping department, we were getting support from other, other departments as well. So 50, 55 people, it turned up in the end. Yeah. Uh, so we, we, we told the uh, union, uh, the, the union, uh, guy who was, who was doing the negotiation told everybody of the unsatisfactory uh, outcome of the meeting. And, uh, so the union had provided news coverage from all of the free-to-air stations at that time. So we had news, news ca- uh, camera crews from, from all four stations were there filming what was going on, as well as a correspondent from the Blue Mountains Gazette. So we had plenty of, plenty of press coverage. Yeah. Now with uh, that, with that coverage, Ken, because as you know, News coverage of uh, unions isn't always favourable. Were you getting favourable coverage, uh, or well, we we, or, we or, did we did in the end, yes, yes. Fair coverage. Additionally, as, as well as the news news crews, uh, Jim Angel, who was the mayor of, of the Blue Mountain, and and Adam Searle, who was an up and coming uh, lawyer in in the mountains, and is now uh, in in the New South Wales Parliament. They were there to provide support. Uh, as, as well, yeah, that was good. Okay, so initially, after we discussed things in front of the, uh, the golf club, we held a noisy demonstration in 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 the Fairmont Resort driveway, carrying on and and you know the union chants and and asking for our jobs and things like that. So after an initial uh, noisy demonstration in the driveway, uh, all 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 of the People that were supporting us, we invaded the reception area of of the hotel, where we caused absolute chaos for for fifteen or twenty minutes uh, before withdrawing, discussing, having sort of a briefing af- after the action, and then uh, everybody uh, went back to work again. Ken, just a question there. Were the people staying at the hotel at the time, and if they were, what sort of? Oh rea- yes. What reaction? Oh, yeah. There were there 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 were there were guests there. There were guests milling around. There were guests having breakfast. Uh, yeah, we caused absolute chaos in that reception area with the front desk staff and 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 the uh, the guests that were around at the time. And we were we were very noisy when we were in that reception area. <laughs> it was just very noisy. Very noisy and caused all kinds of chaos. What about I the guests? What about the guests, though? What did they think of you? I think overall, uh, the guests supported yeah. what, what what we were doing. So anyway, yeah. our, our action, uh, including the invading of the uh, 
of the reception area. It featured prominently on all the the evening news broadcasts on all the free to air stations. It was it was worldwide. I mean, nationwide coverage right. of our action. The next day, even Alan Jones tore strips off of Pepperidge Management on his talkback radio program. So this was getting around. It was in the newspapers. There were articles in, in, in all of the major newspapers in Sydney. It was on the news. It was on talkback radio. So in, individuals and, and couples uh, started canceling their reservations. Yep. And then after, after that started happening, then conferences started canceling, canceling their 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 conferences. So this was obviously uh, hurting Peppers financially. Sure. So uh, w- w- within a week of all these cancellations coming in, uh, Peppers management collapsed like a bag of shit, and uh, our jobs were saved. So that that was a huge win, wasn't it? Really? Oh, it was. I mean, to, to, to think that uh, just common ordinary. Housewives and mothers and fathers, just ordinary people, to organize and, and and take that type of action, which is something totally foreign to to most of the people that took part in it. I mean, it was something they would never consider having done, but they did it. Uh, and, and and to to beat a big corporation like Peppers and, and to keep our jobs, yeah, it was it was a huge win. Yeah, and I think that that probably would have reverberated in other hotels in the mountains at the time. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. You can, you, you everybody took notice of what happened at Fairmont Resort because we were we were one of the uh, the prime hotels in, in the Blue Mountains at that time. We, we were in the top two or three hotels uh, in the mountains. So yeah. yeah, everybody took notice of it. Believe me. Cummins here from the Australian cricket team. The pink test is one of my favourite times of the year. Walking out into a sea of pink at the SCG and knowing we're doing our bit for the McGrath Foundation. But this year, no matter where you are, you can buy a virtual pink seat to bring some of that magic home. I'll be buying one to help raise a million dollars to fund McGrath breast care nurses. Get your virtual pink seats at pinktest.com.au. Somehow, every family's been touched by cancer one way or another. From Lithgow to Penrith, we have an amazing community organisation which supports cancer clients, their carers and families. The Cancer Wellness Support, I mean the name says it all, as with compassion, care, confidentiality and respect. They provide subsidised complementary therapies and expert guidance to all those in need. So please, don't hesitate, because Cancer Wellness Support is there for you. This is Rights, Rorts and Rants, presented by Blue Mountains Unions and Community. Now, if there's one thing we've learnt from the pandemic, it's that the work that is often looked down on by others and is usually the most lowly paid and rewarded is the very work that is most essential to keeping our society and economy going. In the United States, people have been sending thank you cards to the cleaners at the Capitol building who have been cleaning up the mess left by the rioters. While that's worthy, we hope it doesn't stop there. Proper thanks would include proper pay and conditions.
Back home, tennis players are starting to leave hotel quarantine today, but while we've been hearing their complaints, we don't get to hear from the people who are probably in one of the most dangerous jobs in the country at the moment, the housekeepers who clean and maintain their rooms. Now, going back to our interview with Ken Zajcik, um, he, he'll, in this final bit, he, he talks about what unionism means to him and its relevance today. But then, if we move on to the next bit of this story, there are some new owners. The Kwok family took over. Yeah, it's a rich Malaysian-Chinese family. Uh, bought the hotel from from Peppers. Everybody was, uh, you know, filled with a bit of trepidation over what's going to happen here, new owners and all this. Uh, we had a meeting with uh, uh, Michael Kwok, uh, the head of, head of the Kwok family, uh, with, the, with the staff. He guaranteed that everybody's job would be safe. They were going to pour millions of dollars into Fairmont Resort to to refurbish it and and return it to its former glory because I mean by that stage the hotel had been in existence for probably fifteen years or so and is looking a bit tired. They were going to spend all this money refurbishing the hotel. Well, that never happened. The, the next thing that happened was permanent staff started being sacked, gotten rid of. Contracts not renewed, and uh, 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 some contractors came in to take those positions. Yeah, which uh, obviously undermined the union position that you work for uh, award wages with award terms and conditions of employment and everything like that. So that was starting to be to be a bit of a concern to myself. And to the union, I mean, from from the time that that they took over, I was in the uh, payroll officer's uh, office, or practically on a daily basis, discussing issues that were coming up that were contrary to the uh, award that we were working under in, in 2006 or early 2007. Uh, the uh, payroll department accidentally paid all of the uh, the housekeeping staff double their wages in one pay period. So they were paid for two weeks that they weren't really entitled to. I went up to, when I found out about this situation, I went up to the payroll office, spoke with the uh, man in charge, explained the situation, how we deal with this, that they need to consult with uh, all of the staff who were affected come to some type of agreement to pay pay back what what they were overpaid uh, on on a installment plan so that they weren't financially disadvantaged. Well, that didn't happen. What they did the next pay period, they withheld half of what well, what overpayment was made without consent from anybody, and that's when I contacted the union and and attempted to get one of our heavy hitter organizers up to talk with uh, the, the general manager and the payroll officer. Well, before we could get somebody organized to come up, they'd taken out the second installment of the overpayment, so they got all of their money back. Right. Irregardless, uh, one of our organizers, John Munt, 
came up, we had a, a rather uh, a fiery discussion with uh, the general manager and the payroll officer about what was what 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 had just happened and how illegal that was and everything. Uh, the corks and and the general manager, she didn't care. Uh, and then if, come September 18, 2007, I was called up to the general manager's office, and uh, so was Peter Collis, who was my co-delegate. He worked in the laundry. We were both called up to the general manager's office, and we were both uh, basically made redundant, sacked on the spot. What, what, Ken, Ken, just on that, what were the reason given? Well, they said that uh, my position and Peter's position uh, were redundant. Obviously, obviously the, the real cause, the real reason for my sacking was because I was union delegate and I was causing too much trouble. Yeah, you know, uh, no surprises there. But th this was during uh, the Johnny Howard period, work choices, I I understand from what you told me when we had a conversation the other day that they got you on two particular words. Yes, yes, yes. So once once I was uh, I was sacked and 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 Peter was sacked. I I went into the union office and spoke to one of our industrial officers because this occurred during John Howard's work choices uh, legislation. Um, I did not have recourse to unfair dismissal because in the work choices legislation it states that a companies who are operationally restructuring uh there you get you have no no recourse to unfair dismissal yeah. and that's what the Quark family claimed they were operationally restructuring because they'd just taken over the comp uh, the, the the hotel recently so I had no recourse to unfair uh, dismissal. So you, you lost your job. Yes. What What happened to you after that? Well, I uh, obviously I went to one of those uh, employment agency things yep. to, to get some some additional training. Uh, so I got my uh, responsible service of alcohol and gambling certificates, uh, thinking that I might be able to get a job at one of the hotels or, or one of the pubs. Uh, but obviously because of my, well, what had happened at Fairmont Resort and my reputation, uh, I, I couldn't get a job. Yeah. I applied practically everywhere where there was jobs going. And, uh, sorry, no, nobody would hire me. The only job that I did get uh, was actually through Dennis Domain. Uh, he got me a job uh, pulling beers at at the uh, the pub next to the railway station. Jack Jack Thompson owned it at the time. The Gearns. Gearns, yeah, that's that's the one. Yeah, yeah, Jack Thompson owned it at the time, and Dennis was a good friend of Jack. So he get he got me a gig pulling beers uh, on on a Sunday shift. Right, but it must have been a tough time for you then. Oh, it was. It was. I mean, I I, I got a 
a reasonable payout because I'd been at Fairmont Resort for 16 and a half years. But uh, it was a tough time. We were raising a family of of, of three. We had a mortgage to uh, to pay. Uh, that that my my redundancy payout that uh, that disappeared pretty quickly. Mm. Uh, so obviously because because uh, I I wasn't going to get a job in, in the mountains, and I'd already exhausted my my entitlement with the employment agencies for additional training. I I forked out my own money to get a a forklift driver's yep. ticket. Yep. So I went to a, a course, a class uh, down at Parramatta for a few weeks, studying to get the forklift ticket. I I passed passed the exams and uh, written and and uh, manual uh, or test to get my forklift ticket. So I. Uh, I, I get I get to the ticket uh, on the Friday. This was in May of 2008, and uh, the following Monday, I get a call from from Mark Boyd, who was the uh, LHMU branch secretary at the time, offering me a job with the union as an organizer. So naturally, I jumped at that. Yeah, you so were. I started. Yeah, oh yeah. I mean, that was like manna from heaven, yeah. and I, I'd never even, uh, in all that time that I was unemployed, I never considered asking the union if they had a job for me. They probably would have been able to employ me months earlier. Yeah, but that's just the way things sort of worked out. So I, uh, I went down to the, the union offices and and became a, a union official uh, on the twenty eighth of May. Uh, 2008. And how how long did that job last, Ken? Uh, initially, initially, uh, I was a school cleaning organizer. Yep. From 2008 to uh, the end of uh, 2013. So I would visit uh, New South Wales government schools. In just about every every area of, of Sydney at one time or the other, and the Blue Mountains, that was one of my patches. There's very few schools that over that period of time I uh, I didn't didn't visit and help to organize and recruit and and get get school cleaners to join up to to the union because we were it was at a time when the contracts were changing. And we, we were running a big campaign to uh, get better terms and conditions in the in in in, in the new contract with, between the union and and the cleaning company. Did you have success with that? Uh, overall, we we did uh, did pretty well have, have have success with with that campaign. I mean, we didn't lose any terms and conditions. We actually negotiated. A reasonable three uh, percent per year pay increase in wages for the staff for the for the five years that that contract ran. Yeah. And then at the end of 2013, our our school cleaning team was disbanded 
and we were moved around, and I was moved into uh, uh, the member support center. It was a call center. Yeah. Where you sit, you sit with a ear earpiece, a telephone, and a computer. Members call in with issues that they have, uh, whether it's a pay issue or or trying to get leave for family reasons or or whatever the issue they would uh, they would have with their mat with their company they worked for. Uh, we would discuss their issue with them. We would contact them or give give them advice on how to deal with it, or we would directly contact their employer to uh, to talk through the issues and see if we couldn't come to some sort of satisfactory resolution of, of the, the member's issue so that they weren't disadvantaged. So I, I did that for for five years. So I did that until uh, the 1st of uh, February 2019 when, when, when I finished up. I, I Basically, really, because... Because of my ill health and because I was traveling from the Central Coast into Haymarket every day and back, yeah. I was spending like 13 and a half, 14-hour days working and traveling, and it just took a toll on me in the end. But one thing I would like to say about working in that call center is there there is nothing more satisfying than kicking a boss's ass when you know they've done the wrong thing, and they know they've done the wrong thing. Yeah, well, that's yes, that's a wonderful thing to say, Ken. Look, um, looking back though on what happened to you, the fact that you lost your job, having had so, having also had some good wins, did, mm. and looking back now on your life as a union organizer and activist, um, do you have any regrets about any of that? None whatsoever, other than the fact that uh, I didn't become more involved sooner. Right. That's the only regret I have. I mean, I think. I mean, I'm. I'm not trying to paint myself as a hero. I'm just someone who believes in in social justice. The real heroes are are those girls who stood up for their rights when they were totally out of their comfort zone. They're the real heroes. I I just happened to be at the right place at the right time uh, to help facilitate that. But yeah, my only regret is uh, that I didn't become involved in the union movement sooner. Well, as you know, these days it's getting harder for, for unions for all sorts of reasons. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But I yeah, mean, I, I, I personally think there's also you know, an argument that actually people need unions more than ever. Oh, they do. They do. They do. The problem the problem with the young kids these days is they have all these terms and conditions, but they don't realize the struggles that have gone on in the past uh, to get them the terms and conditions of employment they have, and, and those terms and conditions are slowly being undermined by not only the liberal government, but also the companies. And, I mean, once you lose that, it's another battle to get it back again. That's right. It's even harder to, to get it back, isn't it? That's all it is. It is. It is. Once you lose it, you probably lose it for good. 
Well, look, Ken, we really appreciate you talking to us, talking to Rights, Rorts and Rants, the, as you know, the Blue Mountains Unions and Community Weekly Radio Program, uh, and it's really good yeah. to hear your voice, particularly given that you are battling an illness there. So uh, I know, though, in a way, you felt it was important to tell your story. Well, yeah, I, I do, because uh, as, as you'd stated earlier in the piece, um, and, and as I realized, I suppose, as, as now I'm uh, realizing that I am mortal and I have only a limited amount of time left on this planet, I sort of think that it was important to, to document this and get it down on paper because the, the, the action we took in 2001 stands alone uh, in, in Blue Mountains history. It was the first industrial action of our union that year. And to win it so convincingly, so quickly, uh, I think that that needs to be documented for... Uh, for future generations. It is. It's a, it, it is an important story, yeah, but it certainly is. And uh, um, sad to tell you, you know, that things haven't got any better up here in hospitality. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Probably, if anything, that probably things, things have gotten worse. Well, once again, Ken, thanks very much for taking part in the program. Yeah, great. I'm, um, I'm glad we had the opportunity to do this. Thank you very much, Deb. You're welcome. I'll send you a copy as well, so you'll have your own copy of it. Yeah, 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 that would be great. Uh, I can uh, probably leave that with Taya, who's sort of uh, our uh, family activist, our uh, family historian. She's a she's a primary school teacher down at Orchard Hills okay. uh, Public School, and she's actually uh, put her hand up to be the... Uh, the union rep for the teachers' union in, in her school. so Family tradition is running strong then. Yeah, well, I hope so, yeah. yeah, <laughs> yeah. It certainly is, certainly is in her veins, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, the other thing, Ken, is we do have podcasts as well, so eventually this would go out as a podcast. Yes. That's well, fine. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, like, like I said, I, I'm, I'm not doing this to paint myself as the hero or anything. I just think that people would need to realize that when when workers get together and unionize and work to a common goal, anything is possible. Exactly. Any, including bringing bringing down big corporations. Yep. Yep. And we can't yeah. expect young people to know about the struggle if we don't tell them about it. Tell the story. Well, that's yeah. ex- exactly right. That's exactly right. All right, mate. Well, take care. We'll be in touch. Okay, thank you very much for giving me this opportunity. No, thank you. We appreciate it. And that was Nick Franklin and myself in, in the end there talking to Ken Zajcik, uh, former union organiser and delegate at Fairmont Resort and just activist and Blue Mountains Unions and community member. Uh, now, the union that Ken was talking about when he, when that action happened, it was the Liquor, Hospitality and Miscellaneous Workers Union. It's now United Voice. So if you're in hospitality and you want to join the union, go to unitedworkers.org.au. You can join the union online there. Or if you just want to join any union and you don't know which one is uh, appropriate for your job, 
If you ring 1300 486 466, um, that's the Australian Union's joiner union phone number, and they'll, they'll help you work out which union to join and help you organise your membership. So that's 1300 486 466, and the other one is United Voice, so just Google United Voice, and their website is unitedworkers.org.au, and you can find their, um, their, their application to join on their website. So we heard in Ken's interview that he and another worker were unfairly dismissed, uh, but the Howard Work Choices legislation meant that there was nothing that could be done about it. And some of that was wound back when Rudd won in 2007, uh, but there's still circumstances where the law says it doesn't matter if you're unfairly dismissed. So when you're a new employee, depending on whether it's a big business or a small business, how long do that can go for, and also when you're a casual, you can just be let go without whether it's fair or not. So it means when you're at your most vulnerable, really? Yes, yep. yep. Um, the Morrison government is also planning to exploit the pandemic to put legislation before the parliament, so he did actually put it before the parliament in December last year, um, and that will further undermine workers' rights, pay and conditions. So they never give up. So we, we can never give up because they never give up. That's dead right. <laughs>